Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Now it's time for your weekly dose of this guy, or as doctors call it, dumbassery. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. It is the dead of winter here in the Northern Hemisphere. I hope everybody is staying warm, (laughs) like I am. On tonight's show, in Pipe Parts, we're going to talk about the tobacco before it gets to your favorite blender. You know, how... How, where, why, and uh, and what? Uh, and my guest is pipe maker Trey Rice. Then we'll have uh, part two of the Pipes Magazine radio show Grammy Award uh, music competition, mailbag, and rant. All that coming up on tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And a reminder, you must be of legal smoking age wherever you are in order to listen to this fine show. So if you're not, go ahead and turn it off now. Thank you very much. Uh, speaking of Apple Podcasts, if you haven't yet, please leave us a rating or a review there. We would greatly appreciate that. Uh, while you're on Stitcher, if you're there, please rate and review the Pipes Magazine radio show. And according to sources, um, well, it's been a while, but anyway, apparently the uh, Pipes Magazine radio show is now available on uh, Stitcher and uh Available through your home smart devices, uh, one with a girl named, uh, starts with an A, and apparently if you talk to uh, the uh, Apple lady with the S, you can get her to play the Pipes Magazine radio show. And, uh, yeah, I think that's about it. But anyway, apparently all the smarty devices are all hooked into all the multiple places that you can listen to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, Remember also... Please share on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, whatever, wherever it is, wherever you are, please share the Pipes Magazine radio show with your friends or with your enemies. Either way, Uh, share it out there and let everybody know that you're listening. New shows are posted every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern time in the U.S., and then they become available on all those other things out there, uh, you know, all those other things as they catch them. So uh, lots of shows to uh, go back into the archives and listen to again. Anyway, that's enough of that stuff. Let's get back. <laughs> let's get back rolling with a normal, regular weekly show. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. And here we go. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. All right, so over the past month, I've gotten a lot of really good ideas and requests and suggestions from people regarding the show. We've got some good questions for the upcoming Ask the Pipe Maker segment with Jeff Grasick of J. Allen Pipes. So if you have any more questions, send them in. We'll we'll get them in there, I promise. But 
you know, thanks to everybody that has taken the time to email me in, uh, email me in some of these ideas and some of, some of the questions. Anyway, uh, Lucky writes, uh, Brian, you may have already touched on some of these topics. I've not yet caught up with the entire show archive, but here are a couple of suggestions for things I'd like to hear, uh, hear about in more depth. And this is the one that I, this is the one that I wanted to talk about, uh, the tobacco industry. I would love to hear an interview with everyone involved in what eventually becomes my pipe tobacco from the soil to the bowl specifically farmers of various leaves and curing methods, uh, a historian of the industry, a tobacco grader buyer, and any blender you haven't interviewed. So we, we've pretty much covered the blenders. Uh, there's a couple in Germany that we haven't had on yet. Uh, but here's the interesting thing. So going back to uh, tobacco eventually begins as a seed and is planted in soil. I met at Williamsburg, Virginia about uh, 10, 12 years ago. They had a tobacco farmer there and he was growing, you know, maybe a hundred plants just as demonstration in colonial Williamsburg, which if you haven't been, it's in uh, the eastern part of Virginia, about two hours south of Washington, D.C. A lot of fun. Uh, anyway, he knew how to grow the Virginia tobacco, and then he knew at what point to harvest the tobacco, and he knew how to tie it up in the hands and let it dry, and he had a little demonstration barn. So, you know, this was maybe a little quarter acre that he had that he could grow 100 plants on, uh, let them, you know, harvest them, dry them. He had absolutely no idea what happened to them next. So here's how tobacco works. There are tobacco farmers, and this works for every kind of tobacco out there. Uh, there are tobacco farmers. They grow a specific type of tobacco, and they know how to raise it. Uh, they know when to harvest it, and they know how to get it into either the uh, you know the, the fire cured or flu cured barns or the curing barns, whatever it is. They know how to get it into hands and get it hung up. At that point, what they know is they then have a grade of leaf that they will bale up into what's called either a Saratoga or a 440. And, and essentially, they're like 440-pound boxes. Some of them will go bigger, but they'll get them into those boxes and then those are then the tobacco buyers come around and that's where when you hear mike mcneil talk about the big guys like standard commercial diamond and so on and so on those are the guys that buy the tobacco from the tobacco farmers then they those guys all have cutting lines where they take out the center stem possibly or they will process it down once they know what customer wants it. Now, if you went back about 20, 30 years ago, the tobacco grower was growing, was trying to grow the best grade of tobacco possible. Uh, that's not done anymore because there's no more tobacco auctions. There's no more incentive for those tobacco growers to grow really good tobacco. So what's happened in this chain of events now is the tobacco buyer that works for these big processors that will then process that in, what he's going to do is he's going to keep an eye out for 
really good, uh, really good batches of Virginia, really good batches of Burley, uh, really good batches of Oriental over in uh, Turkey, Greece, in the uh, in that area. They're gonna look for that really good batch, uh, the the exceptional crops, and they're gonna try to set those aside and buy them or sell them at a premium price to a pipe tobacco company or maybe to a premium cigarette company. Uh, in parts of Asia, Africa, the auctions are still going on, but what happens here in the U.S. with Virginia and Burley is those guys are in there keeping an eye out for that really good tobacco. Uh, in some situations, the tobacco will be at that processor for a year or two, and be held in barns and run through some sweats so that it gets you know fermented a little bit better uh, the main thing that they want to do is for the premium tobaccos they want to try to get all the ammonia and uh, and the chlorophyll out they want to uh, leach out a little bit of the nicotine because that's that just naturally comes out and it makes it a milder less bitey tobacco and a more smooth tobacco um, now, the problem with me getting some of these guys to interview, <laughs> the tobacco farmers literally know nothing about, uh, nothing about smoking the tobacco. All they know is, you know, they got to, they want to try to get two crops a year and they want to try to get X amount of dollars per pound. And they want to try to get X amount of pounds per acre out of their yield. Uh, the tobacco buyers, on the other hand, those guys, they're pretty secretive about what they do and where they get it from and who they deal with. And the reason they're secretive about it is because, well, that's what they do. Uh, it's a very, uh, it's a very close knit group of people. It's, uh, and, and they, you know, they protect their sources. And at the same time, they also protect their end customers too. They will not tell you who they're selling their tobacco to and where they're getting their really good stuff from. Uh, they can tell you what it was like 35, 40 years ago, but for those of us here, I just told you what it was like. You know, a farmer would grow a really good crop or try to get a really good crop and then try to get a higher dollar per pound for it from the buyer. So there's how it gets to the tobacco processor. From that point, every tobacco processor has their... Uh, uh, has their or the tobacco buyer processes the leaf and then they have their tobacco blender customers that they know are looking for specific stuff and each tobacco blender has their favorite buyers and they're not going to tell you who they are and you'll never hear Mike McNeil on this show or Greg Pease or anybody from Cornell and Deal, or anybody from McBaron, or any of the tobacco companies talking about where they get their leaf from, because that's the secret to their sauce. So I hope that it kind of explains what happens to the tobacco prior to it getting to your favorite blender. Uh, if you again, if you have any comments or questions, you can email me or post them on the Pipes Magazine Radio Show page right on pipesmagazine.com and in just a minute pipe maker trey rice this is internet radio italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion it's their birthright their legacy and just like savinelli it continues to grow and evolve it is ever-changing milan 1876 
Achille Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs, comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and uh, by request, I searched you out. You're young and married and with a new young child, but uh, a pipe maker, and uh, well, well, we'll get to know you, but uh, Trey Rice, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate you having me on. All right, so you so you are young. Um uh, how how young are you, and how much should I hate you? <laughs> I am uh, twenty nine, <laughs> um, so young but not too young. And legal age. And you just had your first child recently. Yes, yeah, about a month ago, little yeah. baby girl. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so we'll we'll talk about how much time you have for pipe making coming up shortly. Um, but first of all, let's get to know you. Where did you where did you grow up? What did you go to school for? I grew up in Fort Worth, Texas, um, until about uh, somewhere between grade school and middle school. Moved out to a little town called Alito, west of Texas. Um, finished high school there. Went to Texas A and M uh, for architecture. So I had four years of undergrad and two years of grad school at A and M and College Station. Now, is A&M, is that the Hook'em Horns one, or is that the other one? No, definitely not the Hook'em Horns. Oh, okay, sorry. Saw them off is more like it. Okay, well, <laughs> we, we won't get into that at all. Um, so, I mean, architecture, I mean, like, you've got, like, a real degree and a real career and everything. That's right, yep. I think in, uh, in high school, I was in art class. And decided I wanted to make a, a model of a building, and that's what kind of started it all. I liked it, thought it was fun, didn't realize what I was getting into until it was too late. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let me ask you this. In, in architecture, do you, do you kind of focus on one type of buildings over the other or yeah is it kind of like a is, is it kind of like a medical doctor where you, you learn the basics and then afterwards you start specializing? Uh, generally, yes. I think for most architects, that's true. Um, and the question I always get is, if you are, you, do you do residential or commercial architecture? And that's a you know big broad uh, range there. I specifically do a lot of government projects, uh, DoD work on Air Force bases and Navy bases, aircraft hangars, barracks buildings, stuff like that. So, I mean, there's real architecture that goes into designing those ugly barracks? So that's that's the kicker. The <laughs> aesthetics of those aren't very nice, but the technical aspects of them are pretty cool. So some, okay. sometimes it's function over form. Yes. Yeah. Cool. It has a, has a lot uh, in common with pipe making. So both kind of utility objects, but aesthetics play a large part in how they're perceived 
All right. So when did you start smoking a pipe? I actually started making pipes before I started smoking pipes. Um, <laughs> if I can kind of get into that story. Uh, yeah. it's, it was back in 2009, I think. Um, had a friend. We went on a camping trip. Uh, stopped by a cigar shop on the way out there. He bought a pipe and some tobacco, and I bought some cigars. Um, smoked cigars in the past. Never smoked a pipe before. Tried it and liked it. Decided I wanted one. Went back to the shop, and the pipe I wanted to buy was 125 bucks or something like that. Being in college, I thought that is ridiculous. Yeah. I will make my own. So, got on eBay, bought some briar, um, bought some stems from uh, Tim West, and was on my way. So you'd never actually smoked a pipe before you started, before you made one. Right, and it's a miracle that I kept smoking a pipe after that first pipe I made. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, did somebody? What'd you do? Go on YouTube and figure out how to how to shape it, or did you just kind of say, "Well, I'm going to take a shot at this"? You know, being a millennial, I was all over the internet and found the uh, pipes pipe makers forum and learned pretty much everything I know about making pipes up until a couple of years ago from that website. Um, so got on and, you know, I first pipe was made just on a drill pet drill press. Um, and then I slowly acquired tools from there. But it's those first pipes were pretty ugly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, that's pretty much a standard for most pipe makers. Uh, no, no one wants to see the first ones out. And, um, and listen, it's completely different than kids. All right. The first, the first kid you make, you don't want to, you know, it's not ugly and you don't want to throw them away. You want to keep them. So. <laughs> right. Right. Yep. <laughs> you know, I, I'm just going to give you some of the, some of those, I'm an old guy, father advice moments here and there. Um, I'll so Take did you, all the advice I can get. <laughs> did you smoke that first pipe that you made? I did. Yeah, and I was I probably smoked around uh, five or six friends, and they all became more interested in it and wanted one. So those first ones, I think I sold for you know, 15, 20 bucks just to cover supply and keep making them. Um, always been somebody who likes to make things with their hands. I've done a little bit of woodworking. In high school and in college, so it kind of fell right in with that. Yeah. All right. So, what did you what did you start out with, tobacco wise? Uh, I was spoiled. Um, so, from when I started throughout college, uh, the cigar shop that I eventually uh, sold some pipes in uh, had mostly McClellan tobaccos, and then you know, your typical bulk tobaccos. So I started off with Frog Morton and uh, uh, number twenty-seven, I think. Yeah, <laughs> and loved it. Um, and then after after college, I moved out and didn't have shop space, so I didn't make pipes there for oh three or four years. Um, and when I came back, I tried to buy the same tobacco that I was buying before, and it was harder to get so <laughs> oops yep didn't have much time to build up that cellar was what i liked at the time but. yeah I mean, for somebody starting out smoking a pipe that's the equivalent of an architect starting out doing you know Fla uh, frank lloyd wright or 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. So you, you may have ruined your palate at that point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I I found some good replacements. So it's uh, worked out. So from a pipe making standpoint, is there, you know, is there a part of the process that you enjoy more than other parts? Yes, I think, uh, like most people, shaping is the most fun. It's uh, relatively short in comparison to the other uh, tasks of making a pipe, and you get to see results almost immediately. You know, you get to wet the pipe and see the grain and adjust your shape from there, and it's that's that's the fun part. And then at the end, you know, putting the finish on also is it's good to see a completed pipe too. Have you been able to use any of your uh, any of your training as an architect in uh, the shape design? I think so. Um, I think other people would be a better judge of that than I <laughs> how well I'm doing at it. Um, but you know, in architecture school, you really learn about uh, the theory behind it all. So you're learning about proportion and uh, developing a concept and morphing that into an actual physical object. Um, and that I think directly translates to making a pipe, um, especially in the shaping aspect. Yeah. I mean, when, you know, when you take a, when you take a block of briar, you've got to look and see if you can make that shape work. And then at the same time, you've also got to get the engineering inside of it. Correct. So yeah, it's, I guess it'd be easier if buildings came as just, shapes of blocks and you kind of etched it out but you can't really do that nowadays can you with a with a construction project right right and in some ways buildings are a little bit easier because it's an additive process not a subtractive (laughs) (laughs) yes i mean it is it's the opposite it's the opposite process from you know, from architecture, because you're you're adding and creating one of the pipe. You're really kind of subtracting and reducing. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> lots of similarities. You know, the like I said before, proportion, form, uh, the detailing, engineering behind it all. Both huge you know, concepts behind both. And then having a uh, having a desire to do some sort of you know, some something in the arts, I guess, would help with both. And uh, I'm I'm kind of jealous of you because I mean, architecture sounds like it'd just be amazing to sit back with your you know sit back with your AutoCAD or your idea, and then somewhere down the road you might actually see it sitting out on a on a piece of land. Yep, yep, that's. Maybe five or ten percent of what architecture, in a in a professional sense, is. But yes, agreed. All right, we're going to take a break right here, and uh, that that way uh, Trey can go check on the baby, and we get to listen to a commercial. When we come back, we'll talk more pipes, and uh, maybe we'll get into some uh, Texas Friday night football too. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. Since 1990, Cornell & Deal has been producing high-quality pipe tobacco, expertly blended by hand using time-honored methods, unique recipes, and no small amount of innovation. 
One example of such innovation is our bestseller, Autumn Evening. We start with whole leaf red Virginia and strip the stems by hand. The tobacco is then cut into ribbons and cooked for two days according to our unique recipe to create our special Red Virginia Cavendish. Then we infuse the tobacco while it's still hot with our secret flavoring to achieve the sublime sweetness, deep flavor, and delightful aroma that makes Autumn Evening so well loved by our loyal customers and everyone around them as they enjoy this very special blend. Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. It's a labor of love. Contact your local or online retailer for information. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. A quick diaper change and uh, visiting with uh, Trey Rice. Uh, Trey, you're in in the West Texas area. I know that uh, yeah, I was in Grapevine, Texas about three years ago or so, and it was still relatively easy to find a, uh, a bar with a smoking area or a smoking bar or a restaurant with a smoking area. Uh, are there still are there places out near you where you can actually you know like sit inside and smoke your pipe? Yeah, yeah. I think there's it is getting smaller in number, but there are still a couple places here in Fort Worth at least that that you can smoke uh, indoors still. So that's still hanging on a little bit there. Yeah, I mean, I I just remember them. You know, remember asking them, "Can I smoke my pipe in here?" And they said, "You sure can. There ain't no funny stuff in there, is there?" And I said, "No, mm -hmm. no." Um, and what happened to your Texas twang? You you don't have one. You know, I guess living in Fort Worth, I wasn't quite far enough west to get the full twang. But <laughs> every once in a while, I'll say something and it'll come out. Do you have boots and a cowboy hat? I do have boots. Uh, I don't have a cowboy hat, but um, ridden horses, you know, whole nine yards. And uh, and was Friday night football a, a big thing in high school? It was a huge deal. Um, going to Alito High School, Alito's very good at football. I think they've won, uh, it's the last, I think since 2009, they've won five or six state championships, something like that. Oh, wow. They're, they're a powerhouse in the, in the area. So that was, uh, I mean, that was a big deal on in fall. And then, uh, you know, from my side, being a marching band dad, some of the biggest marching bands I've ever seen are from these small towns in Texas where Friday night football is a big deal, and so is the marching band. Yep, yep, yep. So, I was a golfer, though, so I didn't I didn't uh, participate in the, the football, but uh, still enjoyed watching it. <laughs> All right, so you're a golfer from Texas with no twang. Uh, That's right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. I'm beginning to think that you're not really from Texas, but. Uh, all right, let, let's get back to pipes for a minute here because I'm I'm going through your going through the gallery on your website. The website is Trey Rice T R E Y R I C E pipes dot com, and it it looks like you you don't mind playing around with the with the classic shapes and paying homage to the i mean to the real classics i'm looking at a gorgeous prince and a you know, a traditional straight bulldog um is there i mean friend i guess from your architecture background there's a there's a respect for the classics there too and definitely i've got a couple of old catalogs in my shop that i'll flip through every once in a while 
Dunhill, GBD, Kamoy, all of those classic English ones. That's right up my alley. Is it, I mean, is, is it really as hard as a lot of people say to get the proportions correct on a, on a, on just a simple billiard? Yeah, it takes, it takes some practice. Definitely. Um, I think the architecture background helped a little bit about that. Um, but still, I learned a lot from the, the pipe makers forum on how to gauge that looked at a lot of pipes. Uh, and then you've got a little bit more artistic or more American, I guess more of the, you've got some pipes in the Danish American style. Uh, are there pipe makers that you saw early on that you said, you know, they, they left an impression on you? Yes, definitely. Um, early on, I think it was, uh, Jeff Brasick and Todd Johnson and Jody Davis, you know, the, uh, the top guys here in the U S. Um, I went to the only Chicago show I've been to was in 2011. That was actually my, uh, my dad asked me what I wanted to do for graduation and I picked Chicago pipe show. So, <laughs> uh, took a couple pipes up there and had, had a bunch of people look at them. Um, got a lot of good feedback there. Um, but definitely looked up to those guys. Um, yeah. And then here recently it's expanded, you know, as Instagram's become more popular, I've, you know, you have instant access just to look at all these gorgeous pipes. Um, Chris Astro is one that, um, that I've been looking at partly because he's an architect. So instantly we had a, a common point there, but he makes some great classic, uh, style shapes that I really like. Now, when you say good feedback, was that all positive things, or were, or were there critiques that you that you also took from, you know, from your from those pipe makers that saw your pipes? Oh, I wanted to critique. Oh, in architecture school, you got to build up a a tough skin. You get critiqued on every project you ever do. Um, so I wanted the the hard and dirty comments on my on my pipes. <laughs> they, they were you know they gave it to me straight so, so it was so it was um it was helpful but at the same time not exactly uh pleasurable right right now it was pleasurable it's there's nothing wrong with getting constructive criticism no and when you're in when you're in school for architecture i would imagine that's a lot of a lot of it is constructive criticism or at least you help you learn you hope you learn something from the criticism right yep exactly uh do you like to do you shape first and then drill or do you do both a little bit of both it kind of depends on the shape i have in mind um sometimes when i start you know i'm looking at a old catalog and have a shape in mind and pick a block sketch it out on the block put it on the lathe and shape and drill on the lathe and then other times I'll kind of wing it and shape by hand on the disc. It just depends on the shape and kind of how I'm feeling that day, I guess. <laughs> depends on your mood. Right. Yeah. So. Do you tar do you try to make a smooth pipe first and then if it's got issues you sandblast it or are you or are you finding blocks that you prefer to just sandblast straight away? Um, some blocks 
I'll just have an idea that it's going to be a sandblast. Uh, I think ultimate goal is to have a smooth pipe come out of every block, but that's not realistic. Um, it just kind of depends on on how the shaping and turning goes. Um, sometimes I will have a commission for a sandblast, so then I can you know, adjust my strategy to to fit that. But it's uh, I really enjoy sandblasting, so I'm not too disappointed whenever one turns out. I need to sandblast it. <laughs> you, you, yeah, because you, you don't mind putting that piece of wood in there and seeing the grain start popping out at you. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, and you're playing around with different kinds of stem materials now and working with different yeah. colors? I think for the most part I'll stick with you know, standard black ebonite and cumberland. Um, I got a couple... You know, special edition uh, Cumberland colors from um, Vermont Freehand, and then um, I'll use a little bit of the uh, uh, ivory or faux ivory. Um, let's see, I'm looking through my drawer here. Uh, <laughs> use a couple of different accent woods too. Uh, boxwood's really nice. A little bit of olive wood, uh, zebra wood. Yeah, little, a good mix of things now when you're doing accent woods like that you've got to turn that piece of wood completely independent correct you and yeah you, you got to get it down to close to the shape and then shape you know and then drill it and, and attach it right most of the time it's ideally it's in rod form um and then i can drill it and attach it and it depends on the style of accent but most of the time it's shaped uh with the with the stommel, um, unless it's a shank ring and then it's a little different, but so every time we see some adornment on the pipe, you know, just know that it's an extra, it's an extra step or two, uh, that adds to the time in a pipe. Yep. Or five or 10. <laughs> yeah. a, a step or two or 10. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, sounds like a square dance move, but yeah. Uh, yep. <laughs> They didn't teach square dancing at your high school, did they? No, but it's uh, two-stepping is a big part of Texas A&M, so yeah, I well, do know how to two-step. And football games there are another big deal. Uh, oh, yes. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, how long, about how long from start to finish is it? Is it for you to make one pipe? Uh, depends on the shape and uh, any adornments on it, but I would say um, somewhere between six hours and up for something that's pretty standard and shaped on the lathe, um, a straight tapered or uh, saddle stem. Those are the, the simplest and quickest, um, and then go up in complexity from there. And with your uh, with with your full time job and now being a brand new father, uh, about how many pipes a year do you hope to make? This year, I think I made about twenty five. Um, I had been waking up in the mornings before work and working in the shop for an hour or two. Um, a great way to start my day. That has changed in the last month, so <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm still going to shoot for 25 or so a year, um, hopefully more, but um, the next month or so is probably going to be pretty slow going. 
Yeah. Was it easy for you to kind of, I, I guess that, that would kind of be difficult for me to, to get up in the morning, start working on a pipe and, you know, spend an hour or so and then break off and go do a day job. I'd want to, you know, probably get into the process and just keep going all the way through. It is. I have been late to work a couple of times because of pipe making. <laughs> <laughs> and have you been late back home from pipe making because of work sometimes? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, <laughs> so it all equals out there. Uh, right, yeah. Uh, but the goal of pipe making is, I mean, this is a this is a part-time fun job for you. It's not, you're, you're intense not to go full-time with this, is it? I mean, if things, if the financial side of it worked out, I think I would love that. But um, for now, it is just part-time. It's something I just really enjoy doing. How often during the, uh, how many times during the week do you get a chance to just sit down and smoke a pipe? Uh, usually once a week for sure. Um, two or three times a week would be a good week. Somewhere in there. So. And and I guess right now that's uh, after baby's gone to bed and you get a chance to just, you know, just unwind for a little bit. Right, right. The past couple of weeks it's been... Sleep has been uh, preferred over smoking, but it's starting to uh, even out a little bit now. Yeah. Uh, and and you can't really smoke while you're at work, can you? No, I wish. Back in the old days, I would. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine just back in the old days when all the, uh, when all the buildings were all hand-drawn on blueprints and everything and all those pipes were hanging over all those big architecture desks and ashes falling all over the place and that sounds wonderful i've i've asked a couple of older guys in our office about that and it's it used to be 50 or so drafting tables everybody drafting almost everybody smoking and there being a three-foot layer of smoke up in the ceiling (laughs) (laughs) yeah but they made some great designs too yep they did there's there's something special about hand drawing ah Uh, is there a is, is there a dream architecture job for you right now that that you're kind of uh, aiming towards? I think every architect's dream, whenever they get out of school, is to do um, some kind of civic building or a museum or in those high-profile buildings. Um, ideally, that would be the case where you know the budgets are a little bit more. People are looking for uh, more uh, high-end design. I'll call it. Um, yeah. But I'm happy doing what I'm doing now, too. Um, there's a lot of cool technical aspects of, of those hangers and the buildings I'm designing. Yeah, well, the hangers have to be able to open up a, an awful wide doorway. So, so structurally, there's some tricks in there, I'm sure, that, uh, that, are, that aren't easy to pull off. Right. Yep, exactly. Lots right. of special things that go on inside those hangers, too. Yeah, but we can't talk about that. Um, right. Yep. <laughs> do you get to go in them once they're once they're done and see stuff that you shouldn't really see? Depends on the project. Um, most of the time, I don't see things that I shouldn't see. Um, <laughs> but it's getting to go and see a, a, a project that you design. That's that's pretty special. It's always fun to do that. 
are there any architects that you that, that are currently working that you look up to or maybe some names that we would know yeah definitely um i don't know how familiar they will be to to everybody but there's a local residential um and some commercial firm here in in texas called lake flato do a lot of really nice designs um light and airy and then i like uh carlos scarpo uh, Renzo Piano, um, anyone who is very uh, elegant in their design. Um, so you you really are the antithesis of the quintessential Texan. <laughs> oh, don't say that. No, I mean, it's just it's just it's really cool to hear that you know you're in the you know, elegant open airy designs and uh and all this stuff and you don't have a twang or a, or a drawl don't tell me the cowboys are your favorite football team <laughs> i prefer college over nfl any day okay there we go all right well trey we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions no right answer no wrong answer just whatever comes to your mind are you ready i'm ready what is your favorite pipe I have uh, a billiard that I made. It was intended to go to the uh, Texas Pipe Show this year, um, but it ended up having a flaw in the horn adornment. Uh, I think that is my favorite pipe. Uh, it's a billiard, um, sandblasted. And, and sadly, um, and sadly, you got to keep it. Right. I was really disappointed. You know, <laughs> I had I had a great pipe to smoke on that show. Um, and then I just bought a, my first Dunhill this past, uh, past week. I'm smoking it now and I really like it also. What is your favorite tobacco? That is a hard question. Um, I think I would have to say St. Magawas, uh, St. James Flake. And what is your favorite drink? Uh, if you pin me down and made me choose, uh, probably scotch right now. Uh, Tamdu is what it's called. Uh, cast strength. Somebody out there will know what that is. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I took a trip to Scotland uh, about a year ago and discovered that one, and I started importing it here recently. So it's it's a good one. When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Depends on my mood. Uh, it's either a movie or a book. And and in the coming months, your your choices of movies and music and and books are going to change dramatically because uh, pretty soon you'll be reading fairy tales and uh, nursery rhymes. Yep, yep, yep. And watching watched, and watching Disney Junior in the mornings. Yeah, I've uh, watched more Netflix than I care to admit. That's much. <laughs> <laughs> And then finally, do you have a particularly favorite pipe smoking related memory that we haven't talked about? Yeah. Um, at that Chicago pipe show that I went to, um, after getting the critiques, it was Sunday morning, I think. Um, I walked around um, and noticed uh, Roger Wallenstein. Um, I recognized him from the Pipe Makers Forum, um, talked to him for a while, got a critique. And he said, oh, what the heck, why don't you just drop your pipes down and see if you can sell any? 
So <laughs> went around the other side of the table, sat down. Within five minutes, somebody had come by and bought them all. Good Lord. <laughs> so that was that was a good surprise, yeah. <laughs> wow. And, uh, and, and Roger's quite a character. Don't stand in line at the bar right in behind him. <laughs> yep. Yep. I can imagine that. Uh, because you're going to end up with a beer or two or four. Uh, right. I, I'm just right. going to warn you. And, uh, before we go, where do your, where do your pipes start out at price wise? Uh, they start out about uh, 200 for a sandblast and then go up from there, but anywhere in the 200 to 250, 275 range. I've, I've tried to keep my prices uh, reasonable. I know I'm just starting out, um, at least new on the scene uh, for most people. I've kind of been in a bubble here the past few years in, in Texas. So I'm um, you know, paying my dues, and the prices will go where they will go based on uh, demand. Well, I will uh, I'll, I'll, I'll pull back the uh... – I'll pull. Well, I'll let everybody in that we are doing this way before Christmas. So I will tell you, Trey, keep doing what you're doing. The pipes look great, and uh, you know, enjoy your uh, enjoy your first Christmas as a uh, as a as a father. I will. I will. I appreciate you having me on. And we'll be back in just a minute. Smokingpipes.com has been my family's tradition for over ten years. My granddad enjoys his evening pipe on the front porch. My father prefers his in the study, and well, me, I like to hang outside the local coffee shop with a pipe in one hand and my smartphone in the other. The best selection is at SmokingPipes.com. They always have the exact pipe I'm looking for. Savinelli, Peterson, Dunhill, and great stuff from dozens of top artisans around the world. Plus, they have over 70 tobacco brands with 750 blends to choose from. Lighters, tampers, tobacco jars, yep, they have that too. But the best part about SmokingPipes.com is that it's easy to order from my computer, tablet, or even my smartphone. And if Granddad has trouble with technology, he can always call them at 1-888-366-0345. I heard that. Do you think I'm deaf? I'm the one who told you about SmokingPipes.com, and I had a smartphone before you. You kids today, blah, blah. SmokingPipes.com. Make it your family tradition. This is Internet Radio. And we are back. Make sure and check out all of Trey's pipes and uh, talking about smokingpipes.com. Well, smokingpipes.eu is up and running for those of you in the European Union. All right, going back to last week in the uh, Pipes Magazine radio show Grammy Awards between the Punch Brothers featuring Chris Thiele on mandolin and uh, Dom Flemons this week. Uh, Dom's album is called uh, Black Cowboys, and it, with the Punch Brothers, is nominated for the Grammy Award in the same category. Uh, but this song that I've chosen in honor of having Trey on, well, this one's called Texas Easy Street. Texas live on you. 
would be mad now Please tell me what the matter now I'm going back to Texas live on easy street When you see me coming heist your window high When you see me coming heist your window high What's it matter now? Please tell me what's it matter now? Cause I'm going back to Texas, live on Easy Street. Got the Texas blues and blue as I can be. Got the Texas blues, blue as I can be. is Dom Flemons, Texas Easy Street, off of his album Black Cowboys. Now, here's how the voting's going to work. You need to either uh, send me a message on Facebook or email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, or post it on the, uh, on the uh, comments section of this episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And all you have to do is say, I vote for Dom Flemons or I vote for Punch Brothers. Just one or the other. Uh, The winner will get nothing more than a warm feeling, or the father of the winner might get a warm feeling. Other than that, they really don't get anything. Uh, What you can do if you really like one or the other, or if you like both, is support them by going to uh, iTunes or wherever, ordering their album, buying their album, downloading their album. Give them a little love and uh, do exactly what I did. I downloaded both of them. You got mail. 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 And remember, if you want to get into the mailbag, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, or you can post it right on the Pipes Magazine radio show page, just like Crash the Gray did for last week. He said, I got behind with family time, but it was nice to come back to work and have two back-to-back episodes again. 
catching up. Uh, then he says, Merry Christmas, this crossover show. Going back to uh, me and uh, me and my, my boys, uh, Bo and John David. Uh, this crossover show was a ton of fun. You all definitely put on a lively conversation together. I'll have to go back and watch the video at some point. Uh, good music on the podcast version and squeezing in a Home Alone 2 reference was nice. I spent December smoking all of my K. Woody contest pipes from the Slow Smoke, which are stamped with a Christmas tree and limited to about 50 for the contest. That's nice. Uh, then he says, Happy New Year. Great tobacco review. Listening to Mike and Mary is bittersweet, especially hearing Mike say he never made his best tobacco. It is hard to believe that we will never taste the tobacco, which gets Mike's full stamp of approval. The stories of cans of cigarettes full of red tobacco are amazing. I'll reserve comments on the music until both songs are played. Uh, nice trading places bit at the end. Yeah, that, that trading places bit, that's kind of a, uh, uh, that, that's a New Year's tradition. And it makes Kevin laugh. So, And if you've ever heard Kevin laugh, it's remarkable. Um, yeah, going back the, yeah, the crossover show was a lot of fun. And, you know, one of these days, again, I got to get up to that K Woody event, uh, tobacco review. Let me follow up on, uh, a little bit further on the crumble cake. So what I found out made it a little bit easier to smoke for me was instead of bending the, uh, instead of bending the cake, uh, long ways in half was bending it side to side and rubbing it out that way. And it helped just kind of keep the, uh, keep the longer leaves in one piece instead of crumbling it down quite as far. Uh, and I'll also advise you against letting it get too dry. So there's my thoughts on a follow up on that. And I've got a review of the red Virginia coming up as soon as I get around to smoking it and three or four different pipes and stuff like that. Uh, and then Dino says, uh, that photo with Mike and Minnie is a little disturbing. <laughs> yeah, imagine how Minnie felt on the inside. Uh, does this mean a further breakup in the McClellan world? <laughs> no, Dino, no. Uh, the, he goes on to write, the conversations with the McNeils was a terrific ending to the series, although as I'm sure mo more listeners would agree, I want more. Well, guess what? There are uh, two more episodes worth coming. So still two more to come. Uh, Dino said, I await next week's song, but I really did like this Punch Brothers performance. Happy New Year, and thanks again for another year of great entertainment, Dino. Dino, you are most welcome, and Happy New Year to you, too. Uh, speaking of the New Year, well, guess what? That means uh, pipe show season is coming up around us again. And I want to make sure that, again, you know, I can't can't tell you how much I recommend that everybody get out to a pipe show. Uh, so the first show of the year is in February. I believe it's the 16th or 17th this year, and it's in St. Louis. Uh, and the uh, information can be found on uh, the show page, which is the uh, stlouispipeclub.org or something like that. Um, uh, here's an email for information. It's pipeshow2019 at gmail.com. Uh, try that one. Then uh, International Pipe Smoking Day, February 20th. We know about that one. Uh, in March is the Newark Pipe Show. And again, if you need information on that one, it's bigpipeguy at gmail.com. That's uh, always in second or third week, uh, second or third weekend in March. Sorry. Uh, April brings the Raleigh Pipe Show. And you can find information about that at www 
taps, T-A-P-S, club.us. And then in May, the first weekend in May is the Chicago Pipe Show. Followed by August, we'll have the NASPC show or the North American Society of Pipe Collectors, which, by the way, if you haven't sent in your money this year, send them in, get your pipe collector, get your membership. Uh, the website's naspc.org. Uh, and then in the fall, we have in September, you have the Greater Kansas City Pipe Show. You have hopefully the, uh, the Richmond folks are doing their gathering again. And then you have the Texas Pipe Show, which has traditionally been in October. And then we'll end in November with the West Coast Pipe Show. So start your budgeting, start your planning. And uh, if you haven't been to a pipe show yet, <laughs> well, you're missing a lot of fun. So get yourself to a pipe show. That's all I can say. All right. Rant time is coming up next. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. show comes out on january 8th 8th that's eight days after new year's new year's eve so eight days into the new year and resolutions new year's resolutions are stupid why because 90 percent of you that made resolutions for this year have already broken them within eight days yeah i know that's true i read it on the internet therefore it must be true right well, no, actually, it is true, and I read it on the internet, and it was a reliable source. Uh, so, New Year's resolutions are stupid, and here's why. Just because the calendar is changing years doesn't make that day any more special. If you've got something that's bothering you or something that you want to do differently or something that you want to change in your life, well, the best day to make that resolution is today. Don't wait until December 31st, make the resolution wake up on january 1st hung over tired and exhausted and then realizing that oh my god i've overeaten the entire holiday season or i didn't exercise the entire holiday season or whatever it is you know what don't wait until then to do that make tomorrow your resolution day make that change that you want to do make it the next day possible don't wait until new year's and definitely don't do it while you're uh, under the pressure of just having survived the holidays you know what? It's quite simple. The holidays are a bad time for eating. They're a bad time for exercise, a bad time for budgeting, a bad time for drinking, a bad time for getting a suntan, well, unless you live in the Southern Hemisphere. It's just a bad time for a whole bunch of stuff. It's a special time of the year. Don't start resolutions right after that. Don't do anything out of guilt. Uh, it's a terrible time to suggest that you quit smoking your pipe. 
because <laughs> that's just the worst thing you could do ever. So there you go. New Year's resolutions are stupid. You want to make a change, make it whenever you want. All right. I want to especially thank those of you that have uh, checked out with me and, uh, and I've got some quotes out on cruises and uh, booked a couple. Remember, if you're going on a cruise or if you're going to Disney World or you want to find out how much it costs to go on a cruise or go to Disney World or if you're thinking about traveling anywhere, email me brian.levine at mei-travel.com or brian at pipesmagazine.com or reach me on Facebook. I'm glad to help you out. Uh, in the past couple of weeks, booked a couple of uh, seven-day cruises. Uh, one I'm really jealous of because they're going to Alaska, and I've yet to do that. That is definitely on my bucket list. I uh, could just imagine sitting out on the deck watching the uh, icebergs go or the glaciers go by while I'm puffing on my pipe. So anyway, uh, now that I meander away, uh, let's get back to this. I want to thank uh, Trey for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. Happy trails to Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny Why, I've never been so insulted in my life. Well, it's early yet.